right, welcome to the Teaching That Counts podcast. I'm the host, like always, Abel Maeses, and I'm a instructional coach here in Ceres Unified School District. Today, I get the lovely honor of being joined by one of our great teachers here in Ceres Unified School District, um, Sydney Merchant, and I'm going to let her go in and it, just for our listeners, can you give us uh, an idea of your classes that you teach? So I am at a junior high school. I teach uh, seventh and eighth grade math essentials, which is special education math, as well as supporting um, our resource students um, and pushing in and helping in their math and ELA history science classes. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, <laughs> I see it all. I'm yeah. never bored. And um, so this year, you've been trying out building thinking classrooms. Can you explain a little bit? I know you went through some sort of training or you were in a, a project from the university around here. How, how did you kind of get into the building thinking classrooms? So I had actually found a Facebook group that kind of came like recommended building thinking classrooms. And so over the summer, I kept seeing all of these things that people were posting of kids standing up and they were on whiteboards. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was just, I have a bunch of different math groups I like to join just for teachers. And it's nice to get, you know, some resources. Um, but I looked further into it and building thinking classrooms and what even that was and started reading the book and instantly it was you know, hooked and I'm very intrigued. In the first chapter, you know, talking about student learning and that they're, you know, the mimicking behavior. And like, I just felt that to my core, especially being in yeah. special education. Um, and so it was kind of at a perfect time where I felt like, at, especially post COVID, that everyone was just waiting on me to, you know, what do I do next? I was doing a lot of spoon feeding, a lot of hand holding, and I just wanted students to think. <laughs> yeah. And, and, We'll get into this a little bit more, but one thing, one reason I was really excited to talk to you about this is because your students are special, special education students, yeah. and I think there's a lot of times teachers, for some reason, feel like, well, I don't know if students can, like, how much can I really give students the responsibility? And um, I found it fascinating and really exciting, and we, we've talked before about mm -hmm. the um, amazing things that your students are doing and how you got to this Facebook group and you're like, this I think is gonna work for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> and so how, just, I guess we'll talk a little bit about your journey as you started that this year, because you kind of started right away with your kids this year, right? I did, I figured, you know, with math being such an area of struggle for everyone, especially in special education, you know, why not go for it? <laughs> Yeah. So I reached out, you know, to some people at the county and got some other um, instructional coaches that were reading the book and kind of doing some work with it. And we kind of just, I was like, I just want to jump in. And they're like, all right. And I was like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in the very beginning of the year, students, um, especially my eighth grade students, were a little taken back because your class looks different. There's no yeah. desk. There's whiteboards up on the walls, which I had before, but they weren't really utilized. Yeah. So being intentional about defriending my classroom um, right. was kind of the first big step and the random grouping. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that when I came in here, we just had your class and students came in and they got a card right away. Yeah. Um, some of the little techniques that you use, it's clearly you've been doing this for a while because I can tell you've got um, cards with group numbers already on the group desk. Mm -hmm. You have the same picture up on each of the, the whiteboards. How long did it take for your students to really start to get the 
feel of that this is the norm. This is not just some activity we're doing, but this is the way class is going to be. You know, I, I would say probably after the first quarter, I actually had an IEP day and I parent, you know, the meeting had to be rescheduled and so I came to class not really prepared I didn't think I was teaching that day and my students are like waited at the door because I didn't have a card there and I was just saying hi and they just stood there looking at me and I'm like guys go in they're like where are the cards I'm like all right this really is I'm like, you know and so now even like if there is a substitute teacher my whatever student gets here first knows where the cards are by the door and they'll get them and they randomly group themselves they group themselves yeah. with a sub yes that is correct that is awesome like if not they don't know where to sit like wow. it's just like it happens literally and the sub's like is this normal because <laughs> my pair is in here too so she kind of fills them in you know yeah it's nothing to see here yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, this is, is just normal talk about some autonomy i you, know you're really getting the kids to to uh, have ownership of not only their own learning but the norms that they've set up in the class yeah one thing that i saw that i was really impressed about was you were leading your students in their learning intention and success criteria today and i noticed that they were all standing they were grouped over in the spot that you have the learning intention success criteria mm -hmm. and just a note we're in your we're in your classroom yeah it is always warm and inviting in here <laughs> um and it's clearly it's it's there's no front um, you have your learning intentions, what would normally be the back of the classroom if, yeah. for people that are listening. And you have some whiteboards on what would be your front of the classroom. So you had kids standing up there, grouped, looking at things. Uh, how, how easy or hard is it to get your kids just to move around in the classroom? I think because they have become very accustomed to it, it's very, you know, I actually had an observation and that's something my principal noticed is like, they kind of just follow you around like you're, you're they're ducklings. <laughs> like, I'm like, come over yeah. here, guys. And like everyone kind of, you know, because as I'm teaching too, like if I see that a group is doing something correctly and maybe the other groups are struggling, I'll call them over to like, hey, let's go check out the queen group. And so like, you know, everyone moves and makes that half circle. Yeah. So whenever class starts and we're going to go over our success criteria, they naturally just go and make their own little half circle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He calls that um, the gallery walk. Oh, in yeah. the book, right? And uh -huh. so I, it was just really cool to see the kids doing a gallery walk with you. How has this changed your teaching? Like, how do you feel about what you've been doing over the course of this year? I mean, I am excited to teach math now. And before, you know, it was definitely unnerving being a, coming from resource in elementary school and K-8. I focused a lot on reading and writing instruction. Yeah. Um, so then coming to middle school math and like, having you know an education specialist credential not being like math credentials it was you know a little i guess intimidating <laughs> to yeah. be a math teacher especially yeah. in eighth grade math like seventh grade math i felt like okay i got that down but eighth grade math is intimidating to teach it's a lot of algebra and you yeah. have like you know our math team is so great at like explaining things to me <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> all right guys if you can explain it to me you can do it to the students uh, yeah. you know so it's really brought a lot of confidence in the fact that even my students are not only learning how to do the math, they're learning from each other, they aren't learning from me. So that's where I think the powerfulness comes with building thinking classrooms. Yeah. They're not learning from me, they're learning right. from each other. And it's kind of like, 
they don't even realize it until now, you know, we're getting into it and I've kind of pointed it out. Yeah. Like, hey, isn't that pretty cool that Paige just taught you how to do that? Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> in a classroom today and we were doing some check your understanding questions and I was, I was telling kids like, I don't need to check my own understanding. Like, I know what the math is. Yeah. I, it's, you're the guy, you're the ones that are supposed to be learning, right? So where, where are you at? Um, we had a chance to talk to, to your class today and at the end of this podcast, we'll be putting in, I'll be putting in the, your student voice. I asked them three questions. I asked them what, what's their favorite part of math class? How has, well, how is this class different from others? And has it helped your confidence? If you were to answer those questions, mm -hmm. thinking about your own, um, work that you've done this year, how would you answer those questions? Um, like, what is your favorite part of coming to work and, and being with the students in math class? How has that raised your confidence in as a teacher? I, I mean, the kids I know love to move around, but I love to move around. I'm very high energy myself. So I, I love bouncing from group to group. I love that I don't know what group is going to, you know, who's going to be grouped together today. And sometimes the group of students that will end up being, you know, randomly put together is just such a cool group to like chat with. Yeah. <laughs> so like, as I'm also like helping them with their math, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like they're drawing the hamburger after they're done on like a hamburger problem and making uh -huh. it like a smiley face and telling me how they're craving a hamburger and just random stuff like that, that I'm really getting to know the kids' personalities and the math is way more, I guess, student centered. They're yeah. all, yeah, you know, excited yeah. to be here too. And that's, they're, I mean, happy about math class. That's not normal for seventh and eighth grade. Right. <laughs> and we'll hear from a student um, who said they move around more than other classes. Yeah. I was talking to a student, not, not one of your students, but I was talking to another student in another place. And they were like, yeah, I feel like I walk around and stand up longer than I do in PE. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. So how is it that math class is the one that they're getting well, a little bit of exercise that they're standing up a whole time. Yeah. Um, but it was clear to me today, you know, just just seeing your students, they were really engaged in what they were doing. How do you feel the engagement has been for your kids? Oh, I mean, they are highly engaged in every task. Even when we're, I mean, we're doing scaled copies, dilations, a translation. I mean, they are engaged in no matter what the task is. You've never seen students engaged in slope like they have been, yeah. you know, now. And they're, you know, building different diagrams and things. And even if the problem is simple, they're still making it, you know, exciting and adding to it and excited about whenever I tell them, oh, I'm going to challenge you. They're happy about the challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll be like, are you trying to trick us? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, we figured it out. You know, <laughs> they're like, they can't trick me, Mrs. Merchant. And I'm like, you're right. Nothing gets past you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a two-step equation. You're right. We just took it one step at a time. <laughs> so it's fun. Do you feel you're teaching, like, do you feel like you're working harder? No, that's the best part is like, I feel like the students are, you know, you hear in all these trainings, uh, you know, we want the students to do the heavy lifting and the productive struggle. And I think that teaching with this method, like it just naturally happened that way. And I really got to see what it feels like to teach, but really I'm facilitating. I, I mean, I am, I am teaching at certain points. There are times and places for that, you know, Right. but the fact that I'm putting the problem up there and I'm seeing the kids, you know, struggle and talk together and like, how could we figure this out? And then like, they'll talk to the next group and see like, well, what do you guys think? And they're engaged in trying to solve like the challenge. And so it's, 
it's nice. It's yeah. a lot less work because they're doing, instead of me having to prompt them with what questions they might have, they're asking their own questions. Yeah. And, and that's where we want the kids to be, right? We want yeah. kids to be asking the questions because, you know, Peter Lilledell says in, in the book about consolidating from the bottom and we need kids to ask those questions because that means that they're bringing something to the table. Mm-hmm. And then we're using that to then build up the mathematics, which is the part where you say that's the part where you're teaching is what am I taking from my kids and then getting them to do slope. Yeah. Get him to do um, the equation of a line. I think something really powerful that another instructional coach was in here earlier this week and that she kind of pointed out is where I'm doing a lot of my teaching is in how I'm questioning the kids. I'm I'm asking them questions that I they aren't responding to me. They're answering it to each other. So, like, I'll just kind of, like, drop in a question and be like, oh, well, is that what we do? Do we multiply it by the percent? Or is there something else that we have to do first? And I just walk away. Yeah. And they're just like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like that effect of like, huh, is that how I'm bye. (laughs) And I just kind of like wander off. And then sure enough, you know, they figure it out. They put it together. Yeah, exactly. And by putting it together, they're building an understanding of mathematics Mm -hmm. with what they know, not with what's being told to them. Yeah. They're having to think about, well, what could I do? Instead of like, oh, well, I know that I'm going to do this because – this says this. Yeah. It's not as, I guess, you know, DI. Right. And the direct instruction method, it's the, the exact opposite, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> it is the indirect instruction. <laughs> the, <laughs> the indirect. The indirect. Because I just kind of been like floating around. Like I might ask this question, then I'm going to go to this group and go over here. And, you know, I think that this style of teaching fits my personality and that's why it works so well and I love it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would see that it would definitely take some training if it didn't fit your personality. But some experimentation. Yeah. I think it could fit any personality. I think so. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to see students talking? If you're a teacher, you want to see students talking to each other and engaging and learning. It's just that getting over the hump of you're not going to give them what to do first. You're going to give them the problem first. Yeah. And you're going to see how it goes before you jump in and try to, you know, rescue. And I I think that's (laughs) might be what some teachers are afraid of. Mm-hmm. is allowing the students to have an experience with the math without, without and, and feel like they're not giving them enough support in the beginning, yeah. um, which is understandable. I know that, you know, we, we've historically we've felt like, well, we need to give them all of these, th- these things before the students can do something. Mm-hmm. But really what we're finding is we need to give students the opportunities to try something. Yeah. Then build from there. And I think if, you know, there was a specific teacher that was struggling with that kind of concept and, you know, the problem, I think, uh, just dropping in maybe like a larger problem to students. Um, The thin slicing that they talk about a lot is so powerful. And that's something that's worked very, very well with my students. Um, There are concepts that are, you know, huge. And so piecing it out, you know, and taking a little bit at a time without giving them, you know, the whole hamburger. We're right. a lot of hamburger references today. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, one bun at right. a time, a piece of lettuce. It's getting close <laughs> to lunch. lunchtime. <laughs> Obviously, I need a cheeseburger. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's been a helpful tool, especially in my population, you know, in special education. Right. And can you explain a little bit of the successes you've had with your students? Not just, you know, we talked about how they're more engaged, how they increase confidence, but – Let's talk about, I know teachers want to hear this. Let's oh, yeah. talk about 
scores and learning and really um, some, I guess, hard evidence. What have you seen? Yeah, so I mean, I've been doing, you know, seventh and eighth grade math essentials for four years. I've never been able to use a general education assessment and get above a 30% as a class. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, okay. that's just the harsh reality of that yeah. right there. But this year, I figured, you know what, if we're going to do it, wait, I've got to have something to compare it to. Yeah. Um, so I am giving the same assessments. Again, it might be a week or two later because we do move a little slower in here. Um, but they are, you know, I have the scores posted on the wall for them to see because they should be very proud of themselves but you know 72 74 75 you know above 80 percent they just got a 91 on their last one and that was solving problems with percent increase decrease which is huge wow and and, i think and these are assessments from the from the curriculum yes from um illustrated math yeah we are just pulling problems and we're creating those cfas um as a team Uh and so i'm just you know giving them to my students and that is remarkable although I will say something I have noticed is because they get used to those whiteboards you know I on multiple occasions with some students who have more testing anxiety you know we'll pull them out of class or have them come in at lunch and I give them the problem in a whiteboard and they solve on a it. vertical whiteboard yeah standing up. <laughs> exactly yeah. I'm like, it gets on paper and everyone's anxiety is like oh <laughs> I can't handle it so if I'm just like hey yeah talk me through it what do you think then all of a sudden they can do it yeah well, you know, in, in one of the later chapters, he talks about moving away from a point-based system to a database grading. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter how the student shows you their proficiency, whether it's on a piece of paper or in a vertical whiteboard. We're, we're removing that anxiety to get yes. at, their, at their learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that this amazing to see the numbers. You said you, said you couldn't yeah. get above 30%, and now yeah. you're at 80 80, 72, 74, and um, in my eighth grade class, I actually have uh, three severely handicapped students as well. Yeah. And they're (laughs) performing in like 90% on like every assessment, which is wild. Yeah. (laughs) It is. You know, and and I feel like, and this is not not against a a lot of teachers out there, but I know that there is this feeling like, well, COVID. Well, COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying that that COVID – didn't have an effect. It oh, clearly yeah. has had an effect on our kids, on their mental health, on on you know what people call learning loss, but basically just getting up to speed on you know what the standards are for a certain grade. But here you're showing that even the kids that have gone through struggles, they uh, cognitively have are now deficits. way exceeding what you had even before COVID. Yes, exactly. And I mean, they also, you know, experience those losses. But I think that, you know, being in a mild moderate class, it is a more restrictive environment than general education. So these kids have, you know, cognitive, some cognitive deficits that, you know, they are not close to where peers are (laughs) in their, you know, and yet they're still performing some of them better than than their peers. Than their general education peers. Yeah. <laughs> Which is right. wild, honestly. But I'm very proud of them. And they're proud of themselves. And I think that you kind of touched on that piece with COVID and the social-emotional. That's what I love about this is the random grouping has really made my kids – it's taught them how to accept each other and how to be friends and talk to even people you might not like and sit with at lunch, but you got to be in a group with them for a day. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about that in in the book about the empathy that comes with the random groupings and mm-hmm. the culture. And I could tell when I came in, there's the culture 
the, of the students. And we'll hear from a couple of students that talked a little while um, in, in interviews here that um, they just, they feel more comfortable with people mm-hmm. in class because of the random groupings and because they get to work in groups on a daily basis. And so, and I think that you do have a number of students that have social issues, right? Mm-hmm. As part of their IEPs and things. And I, I feel like this has helped them. Yeah, and you know, behavior plans too. That's a, a huge thing. I have behavior goals and um, also the social emotional um, disabilities, um, you know, aut- some autistic students and yeah. they are the ones, sometimes they get paired together and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. My first time that happened, I was like, let's see how this <laughs> well, goes. Yeah. Like it sounded like a joke, kind of like, oh, two yeah. autistic kids get paired together in math class. And so, <laughs> but I, once again, it never ceases to surprise me. Like yeah. one of them just like totally, you know, rose above and was like, no, you're going to answer me. I'm talking to you. (laughs) So that's like the funny thing about, you know, students with disabilities and being paired together and even general education students with students with disabilities being paired together is oftentimes there is a lesson in there to be learned, either about empathy or patience or, you know, the different learning types and styles. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I'm quickly falling in love with a lot of these these practices and I have done a lot of these practices before before moving into the coaching role. But what I love about this book is it's not just, um, here, here's some theory about some research that I've done. It's like like very clear practices that you can be doing yeah. to help your kids not only succeed, but think, build confidence, um, and essentially what you've done, you build some culture in your classroom. I think... I mean, even for me reading this, I read the whole book and was like, yeah, I'm going to jump on board. Then I saw the how tasks are given auditory. And I was like, this guy is out of his mind. <laughs> like I teach right. special education students. They need paper. They need a visual. And I about, I don't know, two months ago was like, we're going to try this. And it was like a random like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to read the problem. And I what's been so powerful about that is they have to learn how to take notes and notice what important information it is. Right. And I think the reality of, you know, I had to kind of check myself and be like, listen, these disabilities are disabilities they're going to have their whole life. Yeah. So they're going to have to learn if they have auditory processing or attention deficit disorder and it's hard for them to listen to instructions and then do something with it. They're going to have to learn how to take notes. That's yeah. a life skill. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, but it's like, again, sometimes I got a prompt and be like, okay, let's look at their board. Let's look what they, but they're learning and they're getting better at it. Yeah. They're needing less of that. But Again, I was like, I was not jumping on board all the way. So I get it. But yeah. teachers are going to read this and you might think like, this is crazy until right. you get into some of it and you're like, all right, let's try it. Yeah. And, and that reminds me, I'm, I'm here at the very last chapter. And then the last chapter, he talks about, you know, how to implement this and trying to implement all 14 oh, yeah, practices no. at once is, is just not feasible. So clearly those first three random groupings, the tasks and the uh, vertical non-permanent surfaces are really what you have to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like you're looking at how do I integrate some more of these practices as I continue refining the teaching? Um, what is in your, I mean, we're here towards the end of the school year, but yeah. as you look towards the end here and maybe next year, what are kind of some things that you're looking at adding in for, um, for the future? 
definitely starting off with the, you know, giving them the auditory tasks and seeing how, especially if you're starting as a seventh grader, because I do have my kids for two years, seventh and eighth grade. It's just, I, I'm interested to see how much better they get at listening to something and taking notes. So that auditory task piece, um, as well as I like, it talks about like the rubrics in group work and yeah. develop, I developed those in the beginning of the year, but without the building thinking classroom practices. And those have kind of, like, our norms have kind of developed from th doing this. It's like, okay. you're gonna say kind things to each other. You know, I have a rule that if you say something negative to someone or someone who's talking, then you gotta say something nice. You gotta counteract it. Yeah. No bad vibes, right? Right. So <laughs> things like that that I would like to put into like a visual so I can refer to. Yeah, and same thing with like a pen. The pen's gotta be passed. Gotta pass the torch. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I have some kids that they'll try to hog the pen. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that's, those are things that I've realized, like, I can only have one pen out, okay? Right. So I will have a group that they will go, you know, five of them are writing Crazy on at the same time. I'm <laughs> like, with pens, yep. and you're all doing something different, like one pen. Yeah, <laughs> so one I pen, have guys. to hide the rest of the pens. Some of them will sneak off to my individual whiteboards and steal pens from over there, which is for my other <laughs> academic strategies class. Yeah. So I have to watch that. But Yeah, I love the idea of the rubrics. Yeah. Seeing how those rubrics can definitely, definitely help those um, students. Uh, and it sounds like um, getting into notes with yeah. students and, and how to take those notes. The meaningful notes is, um, you know, I've started that with them and kind of consolidating the lesson after we do that. But definitely next year being more intentional about that. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it might be two days through a task before right. we get to that part. Yeah. But I still have to get them in the routine of, all right, we have to consolidate. Yeah. Because sometimes they just cut. You know, I'll just get caught up and like, let's try the next one because they're challenging themselves and they're doing it. But like, right. we didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah. And I forget that we also, you know, we have some memory struggles too. And like, yeah. I do too. So it's, you know, it's important yeah. to consolidate in those notes. <laughs> yeah. And as you age like me, yeah. I have memory <laughs> troubles too. Did we do that yesterday, guys? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like you've got some great stuff. I, Like I said, I always love coming in here, taking a look at what your students are doing. The the engagement was just I, I almost set up my microphones here just to record some of the noise <laughs> yeah. as things were happening in class because there was I just so much math discourse going on with your students and um, they couldn't be interrupted they just kept going and and that's again that's the part of it like it's very good energy like whenever I feel like the kids are in here and they're doing math and that's something you don't see a lot, yeah. you know, and you feel it. Like I get energized by my two math classes every day. They're what I get excited to come to work to teach them. And so it's been fun and they like it too. And so I'm like, whoa, let's do some math today, guys. Yeah. That is so awesome. Um, just as we end our discussion, I just, I just want to say how awesome it is to hear that a teacher has made shifts like you have and has reinvigorated your own oh yeah teaching you For enjoy sure. coming to work i was you know it's been it was three years and teaching middle school math special education just, yeah. I'm just middle school math special education okay <laughs> yeah it's rough is it repeated yeah. yeah exactly let that sink in and now i'm like Woo! Middle school math, special education. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got my background music on. I've got all the kids talking. We're learning. We're, like, crushing the assessments. And, like, I just feel very good. And I make sure I build them up so they keep challenging themselves. 
Yeah. Well, you should feel very good because you're doing awesome work. <laughs> More Amazing. of a coach role than a teaching role now, and I love it. Well, that's the other thing. I, you know, I was going to ask you a question about this. I know that you did a PD for uh, your staff here at, at, mm-hmm. at the school. And how did you feel that went? I, I thought it was awesome that you were talking about building things in classrooms with everyone. It was totally one of those things that, you know, your principal asks and you're like, yeah, I can do that. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm giving all training. Like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so I was a little nervous. But I think, you know, the staff really enjoyed it. They liked the task. We did the tax collector task, which oh, yeah. is fun and of the season, right? Uh-huh. Tis the season for taxes. And, you know, I got some really good pictures. And I actually showed the kids because my students knew, too, yeah. that because they made, helped me make that little uh, video about how they thought, felt. Um, building thinking classrooms was going but they're like is that mr barnum doing math i'm like yes guys that's it <laughs> they're like no way that's wheelock <laughs> yeah and so it was kind of it was fun for them too to see um and then again the feedback i got from the teachers was really well i think after i did kind of like 20 minutes i'm gonna act like you guys are my class and then i kind of talked about the book and the practices and all that and i did kind of i showed them all of the practices from the book all 12 and i was like no one's got time for that start with the first three yeah (laughs) and like then we kind of went into depth about the first three but really pointing out like what did they notice about this style of teaching and something i asked was did you guys see how little teaching i really did and like i was just asking each group and like imagine how powerful that could be coming from other students in the class. Students learn better from students. Yeah. It turned, you're turning the, what they call the sage on the stage, right? The, yeah. The person with all the knowledge, giving it to everyone, and you turn into a facilitator. I know. It's fun. That's exactly how I explained it to my husband. I was like, it's yeah. kind of like, it's like the Mrs. Merchant show every day. <laughs> I'm like, you <laughs> yeah. get a math problem and you yeah. get a math problem, you know? <laughs> I just feel like walking around and talking to people. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how it feels and it's fun. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a good it time. Is. So thank you for joining me today. Um, thank you for all of the insights and thank you for all the work that you're doing with your kids. I can't wait to sometime when I'm doing a PD, I'm going to come to you and say, <laughs> how did you run your PD? And then uh, you can give me a hand yeah. with that. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. All right. It. Well, thank you again for joining me and thanks uh, everyone for listening. Oh, and uh, stay tuned here. Uh, I have interviews with Miss Merchant's class. They're going to be amazing. They are. And you're going to hear some great <laughs> things it. coming from some students. So um, stay tuned for that. And we'll, we'll talk to you all next time. Okay. So I am here with Miss Merchant's class. And I'm so excited to be talking to some students today about building thinking classrooms and just some of the experience that you guys have uh, had throughout this school year. So you've been doing Things a little bit different in math this year with vertical whiteboards, with groups, with random assignments, all these kind of different things. So I have a few questions, if you don't mind just sharing your thoughts for our listeners of our podcast. So first question, what is your favorite part of math class? I like learning how to um, do math, and I'm getting pretty good at it. Um, I love that we don't just have to sit at a desk and, like, basically, like, struggle, like, I'm doing anything like in math. They can get help from our classmates. I move around. Mrs. Merchant has also like brought up that staying up and moving around helps us learn better. So that's wonderful, and I think that's awesome. I like it when we go in groups because if we work alone, then how how do we ask our partners to help us? Um, I just like that we're doing different things pretty much every single day. 
uh, math has been different this year. There's people I haven't seen before. Before, when we were all elementary kids, when we were sitting down at desks, we always fell asleep on the books. Oh, you don't fall asleep on books anymore? Nope. No? Why, why don't you fall asleep? Uh, because we stand up on the, on our, uh, we stand up and then we go to our whiteboards and start working and asking our partners for help if we need it. Cool. And does that make you, does that help you learn math? Do you feel like you're learning math, um, better than you did before? Cause you're able to do these types of things. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have something to say on that? I, I think I learned um, now math much more better than before because my teacher taught me a lot of stuff that I didn't know about. <coughs> Excellent. So my next question is, how is this class different than your other classes? Um, we move around more than all the other classes. We're basically just sitting down. We're... we're we have more movement when in this class, math class. All right, yeah. Who, who would have thought that you would have had most movement in math class of all your classes, right? I'm getting taught more than I do in other classes about math, and it's getting a lot more easier but difficult at the same time. Um, there's examples around the classroom. That, like, if I forget something, I can, like, go, go to another side of the room and um, hopefully, like, remind myself or, like, remember um, a subject we're doing today or um, look through my notebook and like remember when, like little things that could help us um, before or now like groups helping groups yeah uh, we sit around in all of our classes instead of moving around looking looking to see if anyone needs help and half of the time people struggle but if you're standing around somebody and you don't know them, you don't ask for help because you don't know them. And if you know somebody, then you ask them for help. But if they don't want to help you, you still struggle on what you're learning about. So that's why if we're standing up and with our partners in classes, we will ask for help and they will, they'll help us if we need it. Yeah, do you, do you think the random partners that you get every day has helped you kind of know each other in class better? Yeah. Um, the other classes that we don't have groups, but in this class we have groups. We talk to our partners about how to subtract and multiply and stuff. Okay. So last question for you guys. How has this class helped your confidence in math? Does it, does it make you more confident than you were when you came in? Um, yeah. Because uh, I used to be nervous when I, when we first got here because it was random people that I've never seen. Okay. So it definitely helped. All right. Well, when I first came here, I was shy and um, nervous, but after learning that we had groups, it made me feel like I'm never alone and stuff. Cool. Thank you. When I first came here, I didn't know everyone, so I didn't really talk so much people, but as soon as I started adjusting to what was going on, uh, I started getting more confident and started talking a lot more. Um, it helped me um, not be afraid to ask questions or be more um, confident to um, actually, uh, actually 
ask for help when I'm really struggling on something, or I can ask my partner to like when I don't know what they did, I can ask them um, what they did. So what I'm basically saying is, I feel more comfortable asking for help than than my other classes that I did. I have more confidence in math than I ever did, and Miss Merchant's one of the best teachers I've ever had. All right. And Harley's new. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for uh, participating in the podcast, and um, I, I I just really appreciate you guys uh, talking about your experiences in class. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you.